Welcome to CLCC Online. We pray that this message draws you towards Jesus and strengthens your walk with Him. We believe that we were meant to do life in community. So if you live in the Fraser Valley area, we would love to get you connected into the family. Find everything you need at clcc.ca. Enjoy. Hello, everyone. It is so good to be with you wherever you're watching online. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. My name is Phil, our Alder Grove campus pastor. I'm excited to dig into this series with you today. You know, once a year or so, my wife, and you know, forgive me here for leaning into stereotypes a little bit, but it's usually my wife. She wants to have family photos done. And if it was up to me, maybe we'd get one once a decade, maybe when the kids leave the house. But she's hard at work. She gets a photographer, she sets a date, and it seems like we're good to go. Except, in our case, it just so happens that the day before our shoot, there's a power outage. So instead of a relaxing morning where the kids can watch TV while we get ready. Now the kids are kind of bouncing around the house and causing a ruckus and we don't have any electricity to do my hair, which is just like a disaster for me. You know, our outfits don't ship on time. We're off to a rough start. We get to the location just on time, only to discover that our youngest son has chosen this time, and chosen is a strong word, but he chose this time to have a diaper explosion And guess who forgot to pack his extra outfit? This guy. Talk about imperfect timing. Now, my wife and I, we can kind of bemoan our situation. Maybe in a few years, we'll look back on this and laugh. But when I look at the Christmas story, I find that relatively speaking, I no longer have a lot of space to complain. Let's take a look at what Mary and Joseph are going through and then spend a few minutes discussing this idea of imperfect timing in our lives. So we're going to be teaching out of Luke chapter 2, and so you can follow along with us. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration from when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. And we talked about the significance of that lineage last week. And so he goes to be registered with his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no space for them in the inn. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us through your word and through your story, that we can see above it all and you'd give us insight and wisdom this holiday season. Amen. Now the Christmas story, it kind of starts out as a confluence of, of imperfect timing. Let's go through this. You know, Mary and Joseph. Mary becomes pregnant out of wedlock, which we can read a bit more in Matthew's gospel. Now in 2022, this might be a little shocking if we found this out, but in the ancient world, this was a situation loaded with cultural scandal. Might it have been a little more convenient for Mary 
to become pregnant after the wedding? You know, certainly, but that's not how it plays out. And adding on to the rigors of pregnancy, there's this expectation now that they have to travel almost 150 kilometers for this census, basically to take attendance. And the story is unclear as to whether or not they had any companions with them along the way. Perhaps they were traveling alone without help. Perhaps they traveled with strangers. Either way, navigating the ancient world could be dangerous. Even with our modern vehicles, traveling is pretty uncomfortable, particularly for an expecting mother. So they get to the city of Bethlehem. And of course, it's packed with people returning to their you know, ancestral homes to be accounted for. And Mary and Joseph have arrived late enough, apparently, that the normal accommodations are full. You know, perhaps older family members and, and, and relations have taken all of the, the good spots so that they are regulated to the lower floor of an inn where, you know, during the night, the animals would be brought in for protection. Maybe you've been in the room during a birthing experience or, or, or been a mother yourself. How many have walked away impressed by the food and the beds and the space that you have? But I don't think we can really complain because we didn't give birth in a barn. Maybe you did. Either way, how many times you know, during this period of their life do you think Mary and Joseph asked, why did this have to happen now? Why did this have to happen now? And I know that we often ask that very same question, whether we're preparing for a family picture, dealing with something at work, or whatever else you're facing. And I think maybe we imprint this question onto Mary and Joseph. And we do so because we all have this really deep desire to exert some sort of control over our lives and over our future. And this control, it allows us to have things in our own timing, in our own way, I want things to go the way that I want them to go when I want them to go in my own timing. Now, this is really true in the the modern world for you and I, but it was also present in the ancient world as well. You know, in fact, I can make an argument that the account in Genesis and the the Christian understanding of, of original sin has something to say about our desire to be in control of our lives, to be like God. Now, in the ancient world, if you wanted to exert control over your life and and impact and make your timing work out, that pathway was through sacrifice to the gods. You know, if you made the right offerings at the right time, at the right place, the gods were compelled to listen to you, or, or so the thinking went. And you can see actually where this philosophy still leaks through into Christianity. If we do the right thing, attend uh, church every week, etc., etc., you know, then blessings are going to rain down on you. Everything is going to go exactly the way that you want it to. But in the modern world, I think largely we've separated ourselves from the idea of the gods influencing humanity. But make no mistake, we found all sorts of ways to give ourselves more control. I think of, you know, even our 24-hour schedule. How much more time in the day do we have to to fill it with things than if we were in an agricultural society, you know, rising and falling to sleep with the sun? What's more, we're kind of in this habit now, this craze of monetizing our hobbies so that the things that used to be fun for us are now sucked of all of that fun so that we can live the dream or, or, or make a little extra money. We have all these tools and tech that allow us to do everything faster, smarter, more efficiently. And I think these attempts for control to navigate our own timing, 
they're not really nefarious. I think actually they come from an honest place. You know, if my crops don't grow this year, maybe I'll have to sell my field so I can feed my family. Maybe you are thinking right now, if my kids don't get into the right college, how are they going to afford a house in this market? But, and I'd like to ask this question honestly, underpinning all of this striving over thousands of years is this question. Is it working? Is it working? Do we feel, do you feel like you're in control of your life? I think most of us would answer no. I know I would. Because the reality is that life can't be controlled. The timing doesn't work out. Of course, we attempt to, and we prepare for things, but life continues to be a series of inconveniences and unexpected clashes. And maybe we chalk it up to the cruel hands of fate for some small things. You know, I know many a sports fan who regularly curse the sports gods when their star player gets injured. But the reality is, is that these clashes and these inconveniences, this is what life is. It's messy and unexpected. I mean, you know, as unexpected as putting billions of people on a planet and then just asking them to work it out, you know? So in many things, of course, the timing is rarely right. We're often hit with inconveniences and hardship in places we never thought from people we never imagined. Now, this sense of lack of control It can feel overwhelming to not be able to do things on your own time. And I think in in a lot of literature and and, uh, poetically, we call this like a darkness or a cloud, an obscuring mist blocking our vision. It can be hard to see. Uncertainty becomes like a darkness to us, which again, maybe pulls us back to the Christmas season because I think there are probably many of us who are during this time confronted with all the ways that they can't control life where the timing didn't go to according to plan. And maybe you feel this holiday season that it's dark and messy and sad. And I'm so sorry. The good news in all of this is that Christmas is how we celebrate God's plan to set this right because people have been feeling that way for a very, very long time. And so I think it's probably a good space for us to begin to recontextualize what Mary and Joseph are going through. Because if we think that we don't have control, the ancient world had way less control than we do. Economically, you know, I think of this, we just had a snowstorm, but we could predict the weather almost to the minute. They couldn't predict the weather at all. And their lives depended on their crops growing. The ancient world didn't have as much uh, political control And they were at the whim of any invading nation, whether it was Assyria or Babylon or Rome, you know, whomever. And it could change their life drastically depending on who was in control and who was occupying. They didn't have the same physical control. You know, they didn't have the preventative medicines and the knowledge or the habits that we do. Although, you know, if I'm being honest, perhaps, you know, we kind of made up for that with fast food. And so if we want to get in the heads of these ancient people, I think we can look to uh, the Jewish people that we find in our Bibles. And the Jewish people had this celebration called the Feast of Illumination. And it took place during one of their major festivals that you can read about in Leviticus. Now, I want you to close your eyes and picture this. Now, of course, this is a time of year where we begin to see Christmas lights pop up everywhere. And maybe you're like my family and you drive around to find the coolest houses uh, in your area. But more than that, 
we see streetlights and we see city skylines and skyscrapers. And maybe we step up and we realize that at any time of the day, the world is lit up. It is bright and it is so awesome. Now imagine, if you will, in the ancient world, they had none of that. In fact, night was super duper dark. And so during the celebration, they would, in the midst of all of this darkness, they would light up the temple like, um, and pardon the pun, but, but like a Christmas tree. Imagine the visual contrast, absolute darkness for miles around. And then this beacon of light, you'd see it a long way away. You see, the Jewish people had this centuries long yearning and this image helped them communicate, God, when are you gonna set this right? When, are you gonna, when is all of this going to make sense? And they had this anticipation that one day their God would arrive in all of his glory and begin to do just that and begin to restore and redeem. I mention this because on the ground level, all we can see at times is chaos and darkness. But chaos and darkness can actually be an invitation to step back and to see God's timing in our lives. You see this text in Luke, we see Mary and Joseph at their ground level and they had their issues and their inconveniences and things weren't working out according to their timing. And we have our own issues that well that we wrestle with. God, why now? Why me? Why this? But another biblical author, John, who is perhaps Jesus' closest friend, saw things a little bit differently. Here's how he describes the circumstances of Jesus' birth. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. I superimpose that text on this image of this brilliant light in the temple. And this is a very different view from the ground level. And it's kind of like the old saying, you can't see the forest for the trees. John is recognizing that the very thing that the Jewish people have been searching for, the very thing that you have been searching for, it has come in the person of Jesus. In fact, Jesus, many years later, would step into this very same celebration and declare to everyone, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And I wanna suggest that as we wrestle on the ground level with our uncertainties, that the solution to our imperfect timing isn't more control, it's more surrender. Jesus invites us to follow him. And so from here, I think we can interact with a sort of spectrum. And on the extreme ends of these spectrums, there are places that we want to avoid. The spectrum of ultra control, being ultra controlling, and being ultra casual. And so we want to look at the first side of this spectrum, the ultra control. We kind of talked about this a bit, this holding and managing everything so tightly. Everything has to be just so, no deviation allowed. And I think this is how most of us live our lives. 
you know, we put everything on a calendar. There's no time for margin. We go from breakfast to school to practice to uh, youth group to bed. Everything is strictly built to accomplish our goals with no interruptions. And if there's something in our life that doesn't line up with our goals, you know, we get rid of it and we find something that does. Everything is super, super tightly controlled. But we see that this doesn't work and it crumbles and we feel overwhelmed and exhausted. Now, the other end of that spectrum is ultra casual and that's not holding on to anything at all. And it's this no participation required mentality. And it's kind of this philosophy that if we can't control life, if life is just going to do what it does anyways, then why should we care? I'm just gonna do me. I think of the saying, carpe diem, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. And we can kind of justify sitting back and getting rid of all of our responsibility to the world. Now, neither of these extremes, I I think we could agree, are the resting places of the believer. Both are very selfishly motivated. Where do we find our path? I think we find it on the road less traveled. And I think the Bible would draw this out as the journey of building the kingdom of God. Now, I worked in construction for five years. I did rebar. And I don't know if you've met rebar workers, but uh, collectively, we're not that bright. But we don't need to know the master plan We don't need to be the architect in order to do all the things necessary to build something. You know, we would pack the rebar, unpack it, arrange it into grids, tie it at certain intervals, know when to use certain kinds of ties. We had all these things to do to help contribute to the building of it, but we didn't know how to build the whole building. We didn't know how the wood worked, how the carpentry worked, how all of the design worked. And I mention this because I think we have this deep desire to be the architect of our own lives, to control all of the timing. But I want to suggest that there's actually a lot of satisfaction from knowing that you are simply the worker, that you don't have to have the solution to every problem, that there's someone someone out there that is making sense of all of this and is working to make it right and is working to build it into something beautiful. And we get to do our part. And maybe we feel like in the midst of this that we're kind of the low person on the totem pole, but we're actually building the foundation. And this helps us navigate this question that we often ask, God, what's your will for my life? God, tell me my future. This might be a bad question to ask. A better one might be, God, what's your will for me today? What do you want me to do today? Because in a delightful twist, when we get today right, we get the future right. If we try to look into the future, we see all this uncertainty and all this cloud and we try to get rid of that, but it doesn't work. Maybe a better approach is how Jesus said it. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Now, rarely do we get to see things the way that John saw them, this big picture. But the Christmas story The birth of Jesus anchors us in this hope that there is light in our world and it doesn't run on our timing, but that's actually a good thing because we don't have to strive for control over our lives because there is a God who is working to set the world right for his glory and for our good. Now, I don't know about you, but this releases me into a totally different way of living. Instead of striving, I know that I'm a participant active in this world, 
but I can be content to know that God is the one who is setting it right. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. And now in his own time, it didn't come in the package and in the time that they thought it would, but at just the right time, in the fullness of time, you sent your son to us to set the world right and to set it free from sin. God, I pray that as we are navigating the uncertainties of life and our own darknesses, that we would step back and invite the light of Jesus into our lives to bring clarity for today, to set to work what you would have us do and begin to change our lives and our communities, our workplaces and our schools, one day at a time for your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, maybe it's a good time to think about this. What darkness are you wrestling with right now? Where's the uncertainty in your life? Now, I, I guess the world was out of cool, trendy pastors, so you get a, a nerdy pastor. And if you're wrestling with uncertainty and the challenges of life, here are some words of wisdom from uh, Lord of the Rings that I'll pass on to you. Samwise Gamgee is encouraging his friend Frodo on an epic quest to destroy evil. Now, in this situation, they're surrounded by the enemy in dire straits, tempted to, to give up. And this is what Samwise says to his friend. It's like in the great stories, Mr. Frodo, the ones that really mattered, full of darkness and danger they were. And sometimes you didn't want to know the end because how could the end be happy? How could the world go back to the way it was when so much bad had happened? But in the end, it's only a passing thing, this shadow. Even darkness must pass. A new day will come, and when the sun shines, it will shine out the clearer. Those were the stories that stayed with you. That meant something, even if you were too small to understand why. But I think, Mr. Frodo, I do understand. I know now. Folk in those stories had lots of chances of turning back, only they didn't. They kept going because they were holding on to something, that there is some good in this world and it's worth fighting for. Church, Jesus is that sunshine, and our future is in good hands. Whatever you're fighting for, keep fighting. Keep seeking his kingdom. Keep loving your community. Trust that while we can't control everything in our lives, we can trust that God is shining a light to guide us and to bring us back home. Take care, everyone. Thanks for joining us. If you are looking to get connected, we are one church in multiple locations. Our Aldergrove campus meets at Parkside Elementary School Sundays at 10.30. Our Abbotsford campus has three services each Sunday, 8.30, 10, and 11.30. We would love to see you at one of our in-person gatherings. If you would like to financially support us, you can always give at cscca slash give. See you later.